Hello, everybody, and welcome to WTS Pod. And I can't remember what number it is. It doesn't really matter. We're like 200-something episodes in. My name is Danny Murray, and as always... I'm Graham Merrigan. How are you, Graham? Petal, oh, good. How are sweetheart, you, honey, honey bunch. I'm, I'm, I'm great. great. We're, we're all over the place. We're speaking over each other. We're delayed. It's because we're excited because we have a guest here who uh, always gets us giddy. And uh, look, there's only one way to describe him. He's a man who was voted Blanchardstown's top attraction ahead of the National Aquatic Centre and Krispy Kreme. And he is the proud father to the wonderful Reggie. He's the one and only P.T. Carroll. Woo! I actually, and, like, I, I, I slipped sorry, into a sorry, groove sorry, with just PT. listening to this. So, sorry, sorry. P.T. As well as that, any, the last two times we had you on to discuss MMA, we didn't discuss MMA. We just went on tangents. So pretty much more the same. Yes, yeah, which, like is, which is exactly it's exactly what you want to do when you have Europe's best MMA journalist on your podcast, not MMA. <laughs> I mean, well, it I mean, makes perfect sense. Previously, I thought you were going to say there was only one word to describe this man, and that's unemployed. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's the story there, Pete? You, when, when, how long have you been unemployed, and why are you since, unemployed? Since June first, uh, yeah, I got my marching orders then. Um, so now I'm actually, point, was it? yeah. So at the moment, I'm actually working on all the things I wanted to do there, but just obviously without them. Um, so I thought it was a good time to do that because obviously the budgets at the moment for all the media publications, they're actually just trying to hang on to what they have more than anything. There's there's no one out there trying to like, let's hire in 50 new guys. So at the moment, I'm just trying to get everything new started up. We started up the bash with uh, Gary Lineker's goal hanger uh, company, which has been great. I think it's way better than our previous podcast now in my fighting. And I'm also trying to work on a, a documentary series, but we're in very... We're in a very early stage of that with some prolific Irish filmmakers. I'll say no more. Oh, very good. And what will that be, Corin Beatty? Very, very. In. It's well, it's it's gonna like so. Basically, Europe is a is a huge hub for MMA now with with Bellator, the UFC, Cage Warriors. There's new promotions popping up. So, the idea of the documentary is to travel across a variety of thriving MMA scenes in Europe and basically show show more of the how the 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 social issues in the countries forge the fighters who they become and stuff like that rather than going straight into the MMA we're trying to cater to more of a wider uh, fan base and and you know it, it's definitely it's a great thing to do because I don't know me ass from my elbow so <laughs> so I keep going into these meetings and they're like oh no you need to do this this and this and I was like I just thought I'd ring BT Sports and they'd be like yeah this sounds great mate here's 250,000 let's go <laughs> but yeah it's been great BT uh, the bash team with yourself and Noel McGrath. So, um, you were doing a podcast, obviously, uh, with, with your previous employer. And then, thankfully, even after unemployment came along, you and Noel were like, nah, fuck it, let's keep going. Gary Lineker's crowd took you on. And it's like you have more freedom now. You said, I'm loving it. Like, you, I mean, this week is we're talking about fucking Trump and Kobe trying to kiss Trump's hand. And just the crack you are having with that alone was, was money like. Yeah, well, it's just talk about anything else. Like, I feel like everyone's just reporting what the the promotions want them to report today. Here's a new fight, and 750 media members tweet out the fight for them. You know, it's like, mm. you know, it, it is. It's 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 still early days. I I really am enjoying it. But uh, yeah, definitely a lot more freedom. I guess when we're with MMA fighting, we're always focused on 
creating content in terms of articles for them during the week. Like, so we'd have to get on fighters who are fighting that week. We'd have to ask them about the fight and stuff like this. So it's a lot looser. So it's been great so far. We haven't killed each other yet. So uh, that's, that's, you know how it is, lads. You sometimes you just want to throw a few digs in after recording. That's how and it goes. Sim- sim- similar to how we've gone, like, Mero previously blamed some sort of, what was it you said, you were getting some sort of stone removed. You went in for a Mickey transplant. Noel has done the same with his appendix. So, I mean, it's very similar. Parallels everywhere. I know what you're saying, but we'll say no more, right? We'll say no more. (laughs) (laughs) Come here, PT. Me and and Danny, um, not that we've, well, we've, we've we've, we've stopped watching MMA live. Um, no, we follow I've, sta- I've, I've, I've stopped staying up. If the fight card is at three o'clock in the morning, it needs to be. The last one I stayed up for was Cormier Miocic, and before that, it was probably McGregor Cerrone. I can't, I can't do the staying up anymore. Yeah, I can't do the staying up anymore. But um, as well as that, though, PT, we like over the years, five, six, seven years, you know, we're we're following all these MMA fighters, and. I mean, when they're ta- when they're trying to sell the fight, it's cringy as it is. But then when you get, then when you get to see the person as a normal person on their social media channels, they're actually balanced. <laughs> like there's there's they're in the minority. Like I I only I'm only in, in the in the regional scene in Ireland in the Irish scene. I'm only saved by the likes of Tom King and Chris Fields and Ash Daly, who are all of the same thinking, but you've got a lot of fighters that drink a lot of shitty conspiracy theory fucking Kool-Aid. Yeah, um, and and I know today the great Karim Zidane um, published an article about this, about uh, the fighters and their, let's say, alternative theories, and how they post them online and things like this. But it's, it's, it's nearly... Um, it's it's basically like the world now. Like I mean, I, I like even when say we're taking Ireland for example and the 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 non-wearing mask brigade. And at the start of that, I was kind of looking at it like, all right, here's forty people who are don't want to wear masks. But it's actually like it's a sizable percentage, I'm sure, of the population who are thinking mm. this way now. And it's I guess that's the that's the situation we're in. I I think. This whole thing is uh, is pushing us towards nearly a civil war, coins, man. It's it's just incredible. It's uh, I feel like it, there's never been so much disparity between all these people and, and what they think about this thing that's uh, that's clearly happening around the world. You know, is it is it a case though? Like, and it's we've talked about it before in the sense of like MMA in some ways has struggled to legitimize itself to a lot of people and that. That whole kind of mainstream acceptance that boxing has, MMA hasn't quite got it. And then when you have a sizable portion of people in the MMA world with these conspiracy theories, and it's not just kind of like it's it's big names like that that article that you mentioned there by Zinedine Zidane's nephew, um, <laughs> that referenced like Randy. Is Couture, that Zidane's nephew? Ronda Rev- yes. No, it's not. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> You'll have conspiracy theorists on here and saying that that's going to be internet, He actually no? is. He actually is. Yeah, is 100%. He? Yeah. yeah, of course he is, man. How oh, many Sudans are in the world, Graham? Two. Two. Karim and Zinedine. Exactly. 
Guardians of the But like the names mentioned in that are like legends of the sport, like Randy Couture, Jorge Masvidal, Ronda Rousey. Um, your man who believes in the power of crystals, he's not probably quite as legendary but just for the crystal. Yeah, thank you. The, the crystal loving alone is, is incredible. Like, but these are like legitimate stars of the sport, and they're out there talking about Pizzagate and how we need to read the world of pedophiles and all this kind of stuff. It's like, well, I'm not that we don't to get rid of pedophiles. Yeah, they're obsessed with the, the Gracies. Some of the Gracies in Brazil gave their president an honorary fucking uh, jiu-jitsu um, stripe or whatever. Oh, he's or a belt. jump over there, isn't he? <laughs> jiu-jitsu the stripe or whatever. <laughs> I, I couldn't get it out. I meant to say... <laughs> Do you know them things jiu-jitsu people get? What are they, stripes, is it? Damn, he gave them one of those damn. fucking yokes. <laughs> he, he gave them stripes or belts. Or, he gave them a... An honorary stripe or an honorary belt. Oh and that means Man, not a pedophile, does it? I don't know. Like, it's just like <laughs> if you're being, if if someone of, of high caliber in the jiu-jitsu world is the Gracies in Brazil are given a fucking climate change denier, right wing, nut job Brazil president, an honorary fucking. You've missed, you've missed the reports there, Grant, that said Bolsonaro was out there fucking go-go plata and pedophiles do you know what i mean <laughs> well that's what i mean like you know but like paddy hewlin today shared an insta story um of john lally I, th- I believe john lally might be a mixed martial artist as well I um, think his son's a very prolific uh, jiu-jitsu player he's really promising as far as i know max lally i've never I, I i've i've never seen him roll but i know he's a uh, very well-known uh quantity on the scene and his dad must be in into jiu-jitsu as well i think probably yeah i think he is few, probably has a few stripes <laughs> you get stripes at the start don't you you get stripes so you get like you're, say you're a white belt you'll be yeah. like uh, a four stroke white belt then you get your blue belt then you'll have a four stripe blue belt that's why I got yeah. confused but anyway yeah, but John it, Lally, wouldn't, it wouldn't be awarding just a stripe Merrow. that's like the most that's the equivalent of getting a fiver in your birthday card when you've been <laughs> banking on a score you know? it was an honorary yoke <laughs> You know what I mean? Andy exactly Murray sends you a birthday card and you're shaking it. You're like, oh, that sounds like a heavy note. You whip it open, it's a fiver. You've been banking on the 20. <laughs> That's Nobody's giving you got... a stripe, man. Nobody's anyway, giving you stripes. Anyway, let me make my point. Uh, Paddy Houlihan shared an Insta story today from John Lally. And John Lally uh, started it by saying, um, wait there and I just get it. Um, no, this is shoddy, Graham. This is, you should have had it says, this. It says, it's more professional more... let me down. It says more people died of suicide than co- than from COVID-19 in August in Ireland. Wear a mask or don't wear a mask. Wash your hands. Some people are hurting mentally and financially due to this lockdown. Say hello to people. Be nice and don't be uh, don't be don't be a COVID wisher. You up the lallies. Like I mean, what's a COVID wisher? Died, having a clue. More more people died of suicide than COVID in August. I mean. He doesn't know that for a fact. Those stats are only released annually. Now, i seen someone uh, question John Lally and they said, you know, where are you getting your figures from? Because these figures are only released annually. And do you know how we got the figure of, of August? He said, he said this on his post. He divided last year's total annual figures and divided by 12. Well, I don't think that would be an exact science. Yeah, and then he no, put that I up. I'm then, not... And then, like, now, fair enough, John Lally only has about 500 followers, but Paddy Houlihan shared it. And he's oh, a bit of a dig 000. there. A bit of a dig there. A bit of a dig there. Only 500 followers. No, Jesus no, no. only had 12, Graham. Jesus only had 12, <laughs> and look what he achieved. 
not a, not a dig. I'm just saying that uh, Hulin has 82,000 followers, mm. and he's sharing shit like that. Yeah, mm. but only three of them can read. So, do you know what I mean? <laughs> hey, I'm one of them. Yeah, I know. That's not saying. <laughs> I unfollowed. No, look, oh, yeah. It's like the thing with Paddy. I, I know Paddy a long time. Uh, very, very close with Paddy. Um, I obviously I don't agree with that. That um, what was shared there today. Um, straight away, I have friends, other friends within my uh, group that uh, are thinking along these lines too. Um, and and I mean it's it's just very strange. I mean, to, like the men, I'm not trying to belittle mental health at all. I think it's a huge problem. I think the way mm. it's Treating in Ireland's a huge problem, but it's kind of like having your gaff on fire and going in to change the light bulb at this stage. You know what I mean? It's it's it just doesn't seem to. I don't like the the fact that people put them against each other. You yeah, know, don't be weaponizing one illness against the other. It makes no sense. Yeah. I wish I had the vocabulary to nail that sentence, but I definitely didn't. But thank you. That's exactly what I mean. Um, it's it's it is it does feel like that. If it almost feels like you know. If you if you wear a mask in the shop, you don't care about mental health. Like that's not that's not where I'm coming from at all with this. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's it's I, I to be honest, unfortunately, like I can see this becoming a lot more prevalent. Um, a lot more people getting behind that movement. Um, it seems and, to be a lot of MMA fighters, though, doesn't it? Yeah, um, maybe it's the fact that the professionalism in the sport isn't like it is in other sports, as you guys said. The likes of boxing football any of these other sports they get media trained they know that you know there is things in their personal lives that they shouldn't really be uh flouting so publicly and um look that's the that's the beauty of mma as a reporter sometimes as well the fact that these people are so honest with you absolutely but um i, I do feel as though the fact that they don't have the same probably team of, of pr people behind them they don't have the same training for uh professional and to be consumed by the media um, they don't have that, and I think that's why you see them coming out and saying these things and maybe not realizing the danger of it, you know, like not realizing how many people they can sway with those kind of those kind of things they're saying. But in, in terms of your lack of interest in the sport at the moment, I wouldn't say that's an altogether uh, rare thing at the moment because right now you have this situation where – the UFC, um, they can they can barely put on these events as it is. They yeah. can only they can only pick from within uh, a group of people in the United States, um, and, and a lot of the time there is no story there. There's no narrative. Like with all the biggest fights, uh, as as you guys talked about there with John Jones, say his fight with DC, the first one, the second one, huge narrative. Uh, McGregor's fights always a massive narrative, one way or the other. Right now they're just throwing as much shit at the wall as they have and seeing what sticks. Because at the end of all this, they had an obligation to ESPN to put on these cards. And whether we're interested or not, it makes business sense for them to put on these cards every weekend. And, and believe me, you're not the only one. Every time I'm watching at the weekend, I'm like, this is muck. The standard is so low. You know, there's people getting debuts. And I'm not speaking about the likes of Reese McKee, who's been pushing himself through the European ranks for years. But that was obviously in... Um, in Abu Dhabi as well, but these US cards, you're getting lads like four and oh coming in, and they, you know, they haven't had their hearts broken by the sport yet. They haven't, you know, it, it's just too early, and that that in turn lowers the standard of the sport. But what I will say, um, and it's not the way I'd say a lot of people wanted it to become mainstream, but I have to say, 
Um, I think UFC is more mainstream than it's ever been because of Donald Trump. Um, he is yeah. he has used the U, the UFC as a tool to show how America is opening again. He was on the a promo at the start of that event where uh, Justin Gaethje met Tony Ferguson, where he's all windswept in the in the Rose Garden there and everything. Like we're gonna do this, we're gonna get it back. You had Dana White speaking at the Republican National Convention again, and the other day at a rally, I, I believe it was Justin Gaethje, Henry Cejudo, Ali Abdelaziz. All these guys are there. So I mean, this is more mainstream than it probably ever has been. Like, what what president in the past? Could you imagine Barack Obama showing up at a Kobe Covington fight? Like, I mean, it's absolutely beggar's belief. Now, what does it say that uh, the sport that President Trump has got behind is MMA? What does that say about MMA? I don't even want to think about that. Like, all the other all the other presidents, like uh, Obama, enjoyed basketball games. George Bush, I think he, he was a big college football fan. Donald Trump is MMA, lads. What else can you say? Are you surprised? <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> does yeah, that does that um, does that prevent then the 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 legitimization of it in Ireland? Um, I I I don't know about that. I feel like um, because what do you think of the popularity of the sport in Ireland now? Without McGregor, it's it's nothing. Um, and even but, but if he is popular as he once was, no, I I don't I don't know how. That's even argued. He got upset with me before he fought Cerrone because I had said that uh, his popularity had dwindled. And I spoke to uh, John Kavanagh on a on a press call that I snuck onto. It was for the British newspapers, but I got the number, so I rang up <laughs> and uh, and I said uh, and I asked him. I said it, we we featured on one of the last podcasts we did with MMA fighting. And and look, I don't. I certainly didn't think anything I said was controversial. Saying that the popularity had dwindled, I think it was plain obvious. Um, and I'd said to John, do you think that McGregor's popularity has dwindled in Ireland since, uh, since say, 2016? Uh, as we know, you know, Diaz fights winning the du- double championship against Alvarez. And he said, every time I walk outside with Connor, everyone mobs him. So, no, firsthand, I don't think that his popularity has uh, dwindled. But I said, no, but do you think he's as popular as he once was? And he said, yes. So... I, I don't know. And then Connor did an interview with Severe MMA where he, he called me that guy in the street because I'd gone around asking people on the road, like uh, in, I think it was Henry Street, about how they felt about McGregor and if they still felt yeah. as strongly as they did. And I'd say, you know, 90% of the people said they didn't. But they were still going to watch the fight and stuff like this. But see, yeah, this is the thing with Kevin and McGregor, though. They they think you're PR and you're not. You didn't. You went to college to be a par, PR man and not a journalist. Mm. And that's the problem. They think you're a PR man, and then as soon as you start reporting about them in in their actual lives, or you ask, like that wasn't even a tough question to Kavanaugh. He was probably being snotty to you. I, I don't feel as though he was being snotty. To be honest, um, I don't think it was a personal thing between me and John. I do feel as though. But he did. It, he did block you though before. Yeah, he unblocked me a few day, a few months later. I think. Thank God. Um, but <laughs> it's look that was about the RTE article I wrote at the time because uh, the Connor and Habib fight, and I felt as though the narrative was uh, counterproductive to the Irish push for recognition from the government because it was such a shit show in in the build up in terms of the narrative uh, Connor was pushing, and then of course the scenes afterwards driven by Habib. Um, 
I felt that was really against the, what the, we wanted to show as the sport being to, to get a government recognition. In fact, it was the furthest thing from what we wanted the sport to look like. Um, so, yeah, look, you're not in this business to make friends. And I know, like, I'm sure it is. It's it's a strange situation when, you know, I met Connor when he was 18. We I was a young journalist. He was a young fighter. And and you do get to know each other very well. But, you know, at a certain, at a certain like, you know, there was a time where the lad couldn't put a foot wrong. You know, it wasn't yeah. like I was uh, going out and just spinning a story about this guy to make him look good. He was genuinely having a massive impact on, on our generation, a generation that left college with nothing to do. And here's this guy forging his own path during a recession. And and for my money, one of the greatest fighters, the greatest fighter in the world for maybe 18 months. And, and, and people think I'm belittling him when yeah. I say that. It is absolutely extraordinary to be the best fighter in the world for any amount of time. And he did it for a very long time. I think as well, I think part of it as well, though, and kind of you've said it there in a roundabout way, PT. I think when the question about McGregor's popularity is asked and you you mentioned that like people are like, oh, no, I wouldn't be as hot as him as I once was, but I'll still tune in and watch the fight. I think that's the difference because two years ago, three years ago, four years ago, whatever it was, 2016, four years ago, holy fuck. People were willing to go to the credit union, get a loan, fly to the other side of the world and go to Las Vegas to watch them fight. Now, oh, no, do you know what? One of your mates has BT. I'll go over to his gaff and we'll have a few cans and watch it. I think you know the 18 I mean? to 25s will still do that. The 18 to 25s will still do that. I'm telling you, lads, like people, people thought I was lying about the amount of Irish people I saw in January at that Cerrone fight. Like, we were there, right, Graham? Like, we were there, um, I believe, Mendez, Aldo, uh, the Diaz fights. I believe you were there for one of them. Anyway, I saw you at one of them. Like, this was, there was no way you could have hand, head counted these people. You're talking thousands of people, whether it was mm. people coming up on their J1 for the day or people genuinely setting off from Ireland to go and watch these fights. I, I counted, I'd say, on the weigh-in day in January in Vegas, there was about 30, 40 maybe. And that was pretty impressive as far as I was concerned. Like, that's still a long way to travel for a fight that's not for a title, for a fight that everyone thought he was going to win anyway. Um, I didn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was on the field. I was like, nah, surround your round two. <laughs> I think that was your heart rather than your head. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know what it was, man. It could have been the Big Mac I had for fucking lunch that day. But uh, yeah, well, I got that wrong, the obviously. Is, the thing is, like... Um, Nobody, nobody wants to to see that dwindling popularity. Like, you know, I did, yeah. I definitely didn't want to 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 see it go the way it did. Um, I'd have happily seen an Irish man um at the with the belt around his waist, uh, representing the country as well as he was at the time, forever. Like that would have been fine for me, you know. Um, but it just unfortunately didn't go that way. It's yeah, it's a weird one because I think look, there's still a part of me that would that would you know, like to back them and have that kind of redemption story oh, yeah. as well. But there's there's all the things that, you know, all the stories and all the, you know, the allegations and <sighs> rather rather they're true or not, I think that the label has stuck a little bit, which, you know, is unfortunate for him if, if they are nothing but allegations. But I don't know if you can quite shake that without time passing by, you know? Like Mike Tyson has had somewhat a redemption and he's almost seen now in a kind of people don't talk about any of the stuff that went on before but for McGregor it seems like six months can't pass by without another controversy and each time the controversy comes up 
it just allows the critics write them off that little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I think, um, and we, I can remember we had a big conversation on this show, uh, myself and Philip were on it, my beautiful friend, Philip O'Connor. And we were talking, we were talking about, uh, Tyson Fury at the time. And Mm. Graham kind of said, like, you know, we were talking about, you know, this amazing redemption story, um, in terms of how he turned it around, how he'd come back and, you know, had that fantastic fight with Wilder, maybe it was at the time. And Graham, Graham, and rightfully so, points out, like, you know, look at this guy's history. You know, he said some horrendous things to get things like this. But the difference between all of these guys uh, and, um, well, McGregor has to a certain extent, but not as much. You know, they they came out and laid themselves bare publicly on a number of occasions and, and tried to talk about this and tried to say, like, this is how I've changed. This is what I was. This is what I am now. Um, you know, I was in a bad, this is why this was happening. I was, you know, in Tyson Fury's case, I was doing a load of cocaine. I was doing all this stuff. Things got out of hand. I'm not that guy anymore. And I'm going to show you uh, by fighting that I'm not, but I'll show you through my, my camp, how my, I look physically. Uh, everything, I'll prove to you guys that, that that isn't me. And I think that's, and it's still early daughters uh, for Connor in terms of the, the gap we're talking there with Tyson, and, and we should point out that Tyson was found guilty for what he's done and, and Connor yeah, isn't as yet. Exactly. Um, yeah. But it you do need that, like, I mean, it, it's a crude way to say it, but the public want their pound of flesh. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it, it is what it is. You know, you have to come out and, and show them who you are. And I think Connor did get, like, he was getting there ahead of the Cerrone fight. Uh, he did the interview with Helwani, my good boy. And, uh, you know, there was a question strangely and, and this is the the the, U, the the mma fans attitude to the media uh, a journalist from sports center got up at that press conference and he asked him about the allegations that he was uh, the new york times had published at the time and he got booed yeah. like booed the whole place booed him and uh connor still answered the question though and, and that's the type of stuff that you need to do like it's it's not about um staying quiet and burying your head in the sand and hopefully it goes away it's it's about facing it and and i do think he he will do that like i I feel like with this the latest thing that's happened in corsica you know he's a lot more um he's engaging a a lot more we've seen these facebook posts we've seen him having some replies to people online so i think that is um what you need to do I, I, i've saw several publications running with it so that i I just Uh. presumed it was so Maybe I'm wrong there. I didn't see it on his Facebook page. Yeah. So oh, I did it. myself, actually. I, but, like, there's a lot of tweeting and deleting going on these days, as they say. Yeah. yeah. But, like, how, oh, yeah, how, yeah. it's just a disaster he gets himself involved in these allegations, like. Yeah. Um. You know, it's it's hard, right? Because we're not as famous as him. Um. Mm-hmm. We haven't had money change our lives like he has. Um. So it's it's I do I do often think about it like you know you know I probably would uh, change significantly if someone handed me a hundred million euro tomorrow I'd love to say I wouldn't but I'd probably be a bit uh, different. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, would you have three or four sexual allegations hang over you? No, I don't think so. But but I I I think like I definitely wouldn't be scaling a fence at Bellator and stuff like that like we saw before and. You know, behavior that we don't want to see from from a guy that's essentially bigger than the sport. Because when he behaves badly, it's the sport that suffers as well. It's not just him. And, you know, like, I, I've never had a job in Ireland. I've worked for ESPN. I've worked for the BBC. <laughs> I've worked for the, you know, 
the five-time winner of publication of the year MMA fighting. I'll never have a job in Ireland, and and that's probably because of the way people view the sport through the lens of of uh, the behaviour he's had. You know. Yeah, not so in the interest to... of the le- legitimization of the sport, even like I, was, I don't, I don't see the sport being legalized at all. Like, no, no I think. Sorry, Well, like I was trying to cover, like I was working for News Talk, I think at the time when they started this in 2016, and I was trying to cover it so the the whole process was as transparent as can be. And you know, again, I felt like I I was approaching, um the Irish MMA regulation thing like like an enemy nearly. You know, they didn't want me to be covering that. Um, there was things that were happening that the Irish MMA Association, IMA, should have been reacting to. Um, you know, if you've got the, the biggest star of the sport from the country that you are going to regulate the sport there, you should be reacting to the fact that, um, you know, if a guy's scaling a fence at a Bellator event and you are there to oversee the event, like, there should be a reaction there. And... Um, you know, it, it it's it is silence really. Like I I haven't heard anything about what's going on there. Um, you know, but there was a lot of mudslinging there at the start between the uh, umbrella company they were meant to go under the Irish uh, Martial Arts uh, Committee, I believe they're called. Uh, they were going to take in the MMA people, and they would have been regulated through there. And there was a lot of mudslinging there, so I, I really don't know where that is at the moment, but. Uh, presumably, you know, it, it's it's not really at the forefront of uh, the government's plans at the moment with everything that's going on, you know? You can, yeah, I think that's fair enough to say. Right. Yeah, I was completely... Yeah. And I think as well, I think you touched on the point earlier when you were kind of saying that McGregor had a start. He had, he's completely transcended, not not just MMA, but sport in general. Like, he's, he's a household name, you know, for, in some people's reasons, or some people's eyes, all the wrong reasons. And then for for others who are of kind of a different age and a different demographic, he's uh, he's a sporting hero who's took a little bit of a tumble, you know. And it's, I think the problem is though, as you were saying, that there's like the sport itself in Ireland can't sort out its own house. You know what I mean? If if there's a bit of mulling going on, that's not going to fucking help anybody. But when the biggest star in in the in the you broke up um, a bit as well. <laughs> no, I think I think what he's trying to say is like, how, how does the the sport become legitimate with the, these kind of behaviors going on? Um, yeah, it's on the front page. You want the sport on the back pages, but a lot of the time it's on the front pages, and then it, they lose interest. I mean, during the the height of the popularity in 2016, um, that would have been a great time if we had a proper minister for sport to to get on to get behind it. Um, but that popularity, then we didn't we didn't capitalize on the co- popularity. I believe you certainly tried to capitalize on it. I believe Sean Sheen tried. I believe Neil McGrath. I believe all the M- Irish MMA media tried their best to get the sport legitimized in the country. But you weren't being given what you wanted, what you needed. You weren't you weren't being given. The quotes from the the amateur association that you you know you were getting stumbling block after stumbling block, and therefore the people that want it legitimised that run the sport day in day out in their clubs, some of them probably prevented it from being legitimised. Yeah, I don't, I couldn't tell you to be honest what happened there, but I, I can remember I went to the AGM last year and I just stood up and asked the question. I was like, look, why? Why is this happening that you aren't communicating with me at all? Like, I, like I've gone out my way um, for 10 years, 
you know, by getting this in the papers at a at a regional level and then a national level, to to try and make it a, a, a like a, a recognised sport to to show that these athletes are absolutely incredible that the, what they put their bodies through for such a minuscule paycheck, even at the very top level, um, and the people that they are, honest to goodness, people, the the vast 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 majority of them. And then all of a sudden, it's just like, no, you're you're out. Um, so at the at the end of the day, you you've tried to do everything you can, so you just kind of walk away from it. You know, well, best of luck to so, you. Where, so where are we at with it then? I I have absolutely no idea what's going on there. Like I know they were getting guard of vetting and stuff like this, that, and I thought that was very important. So we know who's coaching the children. Uh, they were also kind of bringing in uh, minimum. Uh, safety precautions which are really really uh leaps and bounds ahead of the rest of the world uh what what does happen at irish mma events so that all has to be applauded to be fair to the the people that did it but at the same time you know there's a lot of clubs moving in the same direction as as regulation and then there's of course on the other hand there's a lot of people that don't want to be involved with it at all and they don't understand why the government had to come in here and get involved at all but it's very hard to kind of side with that argument when, it, when a man's died in the country competing in the sport you know as yeah. Joe Cavallo did in 2016 you there Danny? I am sorry I've moved room to try and sort out my Wi-Fi blues there very clear Danny if you don't very mind very clear saying. now Dan thank you I've moved I've moved closer to the router which I believe is uh, a good idea or so someone once told me but, uh, but yeah but I, I, I'd I agree with you it's, I, I don't think it's like you know in sport, it's it's what have you done for me lately? Like you only have to look at the likes of Tiger Woods, any of these guys who've been in hot water. They win something, and it's it's here he he's back. Everything's everything's great again. So I mean, I think everything can change, but I think it's it must be a lot of pressure for Connor as well. Like I mean, he knows yeah. he has to know at this stage that you know everything he does is gonna like you know reflect on the sport. He he is. As we said already, he's bigger than the whole sport. And I really believe that, you know, yeah. in terms of, of everything. Like, he probably wants to fight now, and they won't let him because they want to make all the money that a crowd brings in from him. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's the situation I think he's in at the moment, which is incredible. We, we, we'll, we'll drop the Connor talk, I suppose. But I, I just, yeah, I was actually going to say, in terms of five from none of us are buying the retirement speech anyway, are we? Is he no. retired? Allegedly, yeah. yeah. Didn't he put out tweets and then when oh, didn't you sad to test him? Didn't you sad to test him on his boat? And he was like, "I'm retired, oh. lads." I... Yeah, Dana he's, he's clocked up the sugar right up during the week. Dana's another bellend. Hey, hey, how dare you? <laughs> very, how very dare you? That lovable rogue. Yeah, well, it, it's 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 just a strange it's a strange dynamic right now, I guess, in all of the sports world. But when the UFC were the first ones kind of coming back. I think Dana was putting his neck on the line a lot, you know, and saying some pretty outlandish things. Um, you know, anything at all to keep the show on the road. It felt like, a, you know, oh, it absolutely. felt like absolute madness at the start, to be honest. You know, and I think even they would look back at those first events they did in the Apex before they went to Fight Ireland and, and recognize they probably could have done things a lot better. But this is... This is the nature of this COVID. Um, it's our knowledge of it is growing like astronomically, like in short periods of time. So the more time I guess we're dealing with it, the better we're going to be equipped to to handle these events and things like that. In terms of Dana being 
you know, Dana being Dana, basically. What do you think of Dustin Poirier holding out and basically being like, nah, pay me or fuck I think it's off. brilliant. It's brilliant, but again, we're seeing Dana White coming out and saying, like, he doesn't want to fight. Like, what? how are you going to tell me that, that Dustin Poirier doesn't fight? Dustin Poirier... The guy who beat Tony, Fer- the the guy who beat the guy Justin Gaethje, who beat Tony Ferguson, mm-hmm. is afraid to fight Tony Ferguson. Like you can't, yeah. you can't give that to me anyway. This guy has been in wars, unbelievable fights his whole life, and and it, it becomes a thing where, like, it's look look these are all sole traders, and I'm not suggesting that this is the case, but it kind of is. It's almost like the other fighters are crossing the picket. That, that Dustin Poirier has set up there when the likes of all, you know, we had Paul Felder's coach on on Monday saying, oh, we'll take that fight. Um, you know, I've heard a few other guys, oh, I'll take the fight. Like, I mean, Poirier's setting up a stall here to say, like, lads, let's push the earning value up on this sport. We need it. They desperately need it. They aren't paid anywhere near uh, the, the pro- percentage of profits that other sports get. And you're going to have five lads queuing up outside Dana's door going, I'll do it, I'll do it. I'll do it for yeah. 70 grand. I'll do it for 50 grand. I'll do it yeah. for free. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's, that's the way it goes, nearly. Yeah. That's it. Like, yeah. and you're not going to get, bananas, like, man. you're not going to get someone of Connor Stature or John Jones or DC or anyone that's on the, the six, seven figure mark backing them, like. No, and, and the, like, you know, there's a big thing actually happening tomorrow. I, I believe the judge is going to say whether he is allowing litigation to proceed with him. Um, I don't know if you guys remember this. Do you remember Nate Quarry, Kung Lee, John Fitch yeah. all filed yeah. a big case suit against the UFC? Well, we're going to find out tomorrow if that will actually progress or not. So that could be a massive platonic shift in the sport if they do go ahead with this and... I think that what what the question is with that case is, are we in fact employees rather than sole traders? Um, yeah. Because they give you a uniform to wear, you are, you know, everything that they have a lot of, um, you know, they have a lot of arguments as to how they feel like employees rather than sole traders. And if that is the case, it's going to be a huge shift in what happens with the UFC. Um, it's going to be probably a push towards some kind of unionization of the fighters or some kind of uh, greater remuneration for the fighters, which which is a long time coming. You know, um, I saw Luke Thomas tweeting the other day saying, like, we still see, uh, when you look at the UFC's profits, the fighters are only getting 18 to 20%. And and that's nowhere near what, you know, the that's NFL... That's America, puts. though. I know, yeah, it's, it's incredible. Like, with the NFL, they have, um, you know, even the reaction... From the Premier League and, and, and football in general, like I remember Wayne Rooney was interviewed in March about COVID, and he was like, "I don't want to, like, I don't want to go back unless everyone's safe. Why would I go and do that? Like, what? Why would we, like, why would we go and train and get all these people in the crowd if, if we don't know what's going on? I'm not going back till I know that everything's sorted, you know. Whereas mm. you had UFC fighters jumping on a plane to Abu Dhabi as as quick as Dana White <laughs> snapped his fingers for maybe sixteen grand. Do you know what I mean? It's it's just. It's, it's so crazy. different, and they shouldn't have to do that. But you know, I can't criticize the fighters for wanting to earn money. I can't. It's their job. They have to put food on the table. They have no other way to do it. But but the fact that they're getting so little money, and and they have, there's literally no conversation whatsoever. It's like, will you do this? Yes or no? And if you say no, you know, don't expect a call for about a year. You know, it, it, it's a very we've different situation. Seen, we we've seen fighters recently kind of test free agency for you know for whatever reason and for 
fighters asking for their release so they can go and fight elsewhere. Is the grass greener for them? Like, is it better condition? Like, Paige Van Zandt's got that bare knuckle. You know, we've seen Bellator start to pick up a lot of former UFC fighters. Like, it, it probably, like, you know, you, you can certainly negotiate uh, far better deals if you are, say, a Poirier. If you went to Bellator, I'm sure, like, the big thing that the UFC has, I'm sure people, um, you guys definitely know about it, is the, the, the format in which they're paid is show up, get this money, win and get more money. So Poirier, I believe his last contract was 150000 to show, 150000 if he win. So half of your paycheck, no matter if you fight the whole fight 25 minutes, if you've been in a 10-week camp, half of your uh, paycheck is depending on the result of the fight, which is... Like, you know, it's a thing from the early days of the UFC when they were trying to push this, you know, action-heavy environment. But, I mean, the lads were probably getting five and five back then. You know, it was a different thing. It wasn't the legitimate uh, or so-called legitimate sport it is today. Um, And when you have a guy like Dustin Poirier who's been doing it for as long as he has, I I mean, I think the least he deserves is knowing how much he's going to earn when he shows up to put his life on the line for the company. I don't. I don't think that's a big thing to ask. Like, so instead of one fifty, one fifty, you know, give him three hundred thousand, and and maybe the, his tune will change significantly. That would be something that I'm sure he could negotiate if he went to Bellator. Your show money is your money. You're getting this amount of money, and that that alleviates so much stress. You know, financial stress from these fighters' lives, who you know really don't know when they're getting paid again after they fight. Mm. Yeah, uh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's same. The, the the whole free agency thing is probably something that we're going to see come up more and more if Bellator continues because they, they've they've definitely had a nice little run in the last while in terms of picking up decent fight cards. Um, I'm not sure about these double headers they ran. Are they going to do more of those double headers? It seems to be just a thing they do, and I mean, last week they had a Friday and Saturday card. Like I don't know why they couldn't just put them all on Saturday. Yeah, you know, it's it, weird. What's You're the story already... with like PT in terms of fighters? Uh, cage warriors and brave and so forth what are you talking wage wise there um brave have uh, are backed by the prince of bahrain so they have a considerable amount of money like i mean i know i know some fledgling pros maybe you know four fights in the career were getting an abundant check off these guys you know maybe you know you, you could be talking you know maybe a hundred thousand over four or five fights which is insane for like you know He's serious yeah, for like you know, early days in their careers. Um, whereas Cage Warriors is the feeder to the UFC, and you know, you're you're looks like someone like Paddy Pimbley who can sell out the Echo Arena is probably making tens of thousands of of you know pounds every time he fights. But I mean, the guys who are trying to cut their teeth and, and get to the UFC, you're you're probably talking a thousand, a thousand quid a fight, like, but. You know, yes, in in uh, there's a big disparity there between, say, like uh, a Bellator and what they can pay a fledgling fighter as compared to to Cage Warriors. But in Brazil, the main feeder league to the UFC, they aren't on great money. Everywhere in the world, really, they aren't. Apart from with Brave and with Bellator, but Bellator is the main competitor to the UFC. You know, mm. it's a different thing. There's a different wallet involved there, um, and and across sport in general, like you you don't see a guy. That, that is competing on a, a local card getting paid, you know, 50 grand for his second pro fight. It's just not the way it works unless you're a Mick Condon or someone like that, you know? 
Yeah, absolutely. Do we think? Do we think uh, Bellator has any chance of landing Brock Lesnar if he is to return? I know Scott Coker was talking about a Fedor fight. Lads, I actually would like to hear your take on this. I always get educated uh, from the pro wrestling side uh, every time <laughs> I come in here, but I will say I, I think it's a complete negotiation tactic. It is. I'd say Vince McMahon will, will win out again for the fourth, fifth time in a row. I I'd say, like, I think, I think Brock is probably too old to consider fighting in MMA. Although someone did say that they wanted to put Brock versus Feeder on in Bellator, so I mean, would he return to that? I don't know. I, I, I think, I think it is a negotiation tool that he always uses, and I think Vince McMahon will come out laughing again. I think it was a huge mistake. I'm bringing him back the last time because it, it threw the whole USADA agreement under the bus. Like, it's the first thing I think of as a criticism for this whole drug testing thing within the UFC every time I think about it is you bring back the guy who fails more than anyone possibly on the roster, the eye test when it comes to performance enhancing drugs. Like, if you looked, if you lined up every single fighter that's fought under the USADA regime, you would point to Brock Lesnar immediately and say, piss test him. And when he was coming back, you know, for the Mark Hunt fight, they completely waived all of the testing they should have done with him. I mean, what is what does that say about Usada's agreement with the UFC if they can say, here, listen, lads, he's only had two weeks, so we won't test him. You're like, all right, <laughs> like, that, that's incredible. And now Mark Hunt is, is, I'm not sure if he's still in the process, but he definitely was trying to sue the UFC for basically allowing a guy to come in on PEDs and beat seven shades of shite out of him. Which, I mean, shouldn't be allowed. I mean, it absolutely shouldn't be allowed. Oh, no, definitely not. Um, it's it's crazy as well, because as fans, when you see the name Brock Lesnar, during that fight, on the lead-up to that fight, I was saying to myself, there's no way he's going to test positive or anything. There's no way. I fucking got sucked in, as per usual. Enjoyed the fight, and I was sticking up fingers on social media saying Brock just fucking handed Mark Hunt and all this and then a couple of days later he's failed like that's another reason why John Jones always lets you down Conor McGregor's private life will let you down Brock Lesnar will let you down it's like who do, who do we get behind like Molly McCann <laughs> me <Meepal laughs> Molly Meepal Molly yes um, but he, well, I will say, like, it, this is something I'm actually, we were talking about today. We, we had a meeting about the uh, potential documentary series, and, and it is something that nobody really talks about. Lance Armstrong fails a drug test, disgraced. Barry Bonds in baseball fails a drug test, disgraced. Mm. Um, Alexander Pavekin knocked out Dillian White there a few weeks ago, and he's failed three or four drug tests. How was he able to sit at the top table of boxing? How was John Jones able to sit at the top table of UFC and still be uh, the consensus greatest fighter of all time um, when he has failed numerous drug tests? What is it about the most dangerous, uh, physical, physically harmful sports in the world that we are willing to just forget about, guys? You know, um, you know, polluting their bodies to make them more destructive essentially like i mean it's actually more okay for me to go and fucking jab yourself in the arse with something and cycle up a mountain that's fine i don't give a shit but if you're gonna go in and punch the head off some lad after you've got the gains from taking performance enhancing drugs and people are just gonna forget about it until your next fight's booked 
that's incredible to me. It's actually it's wild to me that it's so overlooked in combat sports. It, it's crazy. It is wild. It's crazy. It is absolutely crazy. But sure, as we said before as well, Tyson Fury failed as well. The drugs well, test. He was overturned, so, wasn't he? Um, was it overturned? Mm. So, yeah, but so bad, w- uh, w- are you saying then? Because we've we haven't talked about it in a while, but we talked about it in the past where we think or we were asking the question: Should it be one strike and you're out? Because a lot of these MMA fighters will will appeal it and then they'll say, "Oh yeah, it was Viagra." Um, you know, Anderson the, Silva the said it was it was the dick pills and all. Was, you know, that was a great bit of PR, John. I, like it's one of the greatest pieces of PR I think I've ever seen in MMA was the fact that John Jones managed to implant that line into our heads instead of drugs. Instead yeah, of saying... That's what drugs, I mean. Like, yeah. it's like, will Asterix sign remain beside these people's names in the history books or will it be a case of fans or people in the sports or American journalists, um, I don't know why I said American journalists, but MMA journalists saying, um, you know, oh yeah, they failed, but didn't they appeal it? Didn't they? You know, it's like they failed. Didn't, they, didn't they have a TUP? Didn't they have a therapeutic usage oh, yeah. exemption or whatever that is? Yeah. So what but do you the, say then, PT? Do you think it's one strike and you should be gone? I, I feel as though, you know, and I'd like to say as well, like I don't agree with the UFC's USADA protocol at all. I, yeah. I think, I think as sole traders, as the commodity of the UFC, they should have had a way bigger say in what was happening there. I feel as though the UFC did this thing with USADA to bring up the value of their company and it re- worked very well because they sold it for $4.4 billion or, yeah. or in that range. And without bringing in the Reeboks of the world, without bringing in this is the cleanest sport in the world, they do not do that. So it was a stroke of genius from a business point of view. But the fighters had absolutely no say in it. And if you go uh, to NFL, NBA, any of these places... F, I think in the Premier League they they hear about it about two months before they're gonna piss for fuck's sake. Like I mean yeah. they need they no, but I mean you do need they need to have a voice there, you know. Yeah. And, and there's been guys like um, Josh Barnett is an example that comes to mind. Tom Lawler's another one who've been suspended, and then the USADA have to come back after a year and say, "Ah, oh, we actually fucked that up, man." Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like how how can you do it? Like how can you ruin someone's career? on a failed drug test and you come back saying, oh no, actually we, we fucked it up. And you're just like, lads, that it cannot be that. Like that can't be even up for argument. Like in terms of the Tyson Fury and Dillian White situations, they had their B samples tested. So it was part of the protocol that actually proved them to be innocent. Do you know mm-hmm. when they, they went and said, well, let's do the, let's do the whole process. Then you test the B sample, all that stuff. And that's how they were vindicated. But I mean, finding out after you've lost your money, for 18 months and you've been suspended and your name's completely tarnished that it was in fact the the drug people's issue that's that that just shouldn't be able to happen i felt the whole thing was rushed through so they could sell the company and uh unfortunately they, they've uh, got a bit of egg on their face and not enough egg on their face i feel when you consider the careers they have ruined or, or completely um ruined the momentum of anyway yeah and it's i think the other side of it though is like the <laughs> It's a, look. I don't believe there's any sport that's that's completely clean. I don't. No, I don't really believe. Don't. I don't believe football's clean. I don't even believe fucking GAA is clean. Do you know what I mean? Like it's there's just. They have no <laughs> protocol, right? 
not that I'm aware of, you know what I mean? And I mean, amateur like, sports, can't. I was gonna, I was gonna say amateur ethos, amateur sport, all that kind of thing. There's no way that those boys aren't fucking up to some sort of shenanigans, like uh, either, either systematically or privately. But, but either way, I think the point around combat sports in particular, as you said, like they're going in there and the aim of the game is to physically hurt your opponent until they can no longer continue. When you're putting these enhancers into your body with the sole purpose of going out and hurting people, it becomes a completely different fucking thing. And I I, I completely accept what you're saying about, like, you know, there's careers that have been fucking irreparably damaged because of fuck-ups. But then, like, like you were also saying, though, then you get the likes of John Jones, then you get the likes of fucking these other guys who have tested positive and, you know, people meet it with a bit of a shrug and it's kind of like, oh, well, you know, he is the greatest of all time. He is the GOAT. Yeah. You know, and it's, there was it's, just that picogram talk and everything like that. I wasn't getting sold on that for a second. No, I was no, like, all right, lads, no. just like it's going to show up in his piss forever. Just say that yeah. and let's get on with it. If this is what yeah, it's going to be, you know what I mean? Like, exactly. You know what I mean? And I think, why did they just be honest? Like, but, but I think this is the problem. I think it's it's endemic in the sport. And I think people will always, it's human nature to look for, for an extra edge. It's human nature to look for a little bit of a way of cheat. You go out in your car and the speed limit says 60, you know what I mean? There's nobody around, you're going to go 70, you're going to go 80. Like, it's human nature to look for little tiny advantages. You're running a few minutes late, you'll put the foot down a little bit more, you'll hit your paddle a little bit more, Mero, apologies. You know, whatever the case may be, you'll look for the advantage. And I think the problem is when people are looking for an advantage in these kind of sports, it can lead to serious health problems for the person who's on the receiving end of the punch or the kick or whatever it might be, it's uh, it's not something that they can just use as a PR stunt by bringing in USADA and that. I think they have to, in the long term, something has to change because someone someone will ultimately... Like, I mean, you were saying about Mark Hunt taking a case, but, I mean, someone else is going to take it because they've been left with serious brain damage or some sort of serious life-changing injury. Like, And at that point, it'll be too late. Yeah, I feel like the whole root of most of the issues within the UFC, so what have we talked about today? The pay structure, USADA, um, the fact that they really had had no other choice but to go and compete during this COVID situation because Mm -hmm. uh, the lack of money they make. I believe a lot of this would change with a union and... But yeah. the problem within the sport is the disparity between the wages. So when you have someone like McGregor, I believe he said, I mean, you know, tens of millions will say he earned for a fight where the guy, you know, Joe Bloggs, who walks in and his first UFC fight is getting 10 grand to show. I mean, how do you get all these lads singing off the same hymn sheet and they're all agreeing to let's all get paid a certain amount of money and stuff like that? It's It's very, very, it's like it's too, the disparity is just too severe for it to happen i feel i feel like it's nearly perfectly situated like that and and look i'm not trying to say that a lad walking into his first fight deserves the same money conor mcgregor gets he doesn't mcgregor has has broken the record for pay-per-view so many times for the ufc he has obviously value a massive amount of value unprecedented value but surely everyone could work together to make it a bit better for everyone else you know to make and if that was in place people would maybe feel like it was a bit more legitimate too yeah, in, in every sport you have your star. In every sport you're going to have your star player who attracts more money than anyone else. You have your LeBron James, you have your Giannis, you have your Messi, you have your Ronaldos. Like, every sport is going to have those anomalies that the just outliers, take yeah. in more money. Exactly. But It's like Merrow and the Bulls. 
Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Like Danny oh, and his Air Jordans. Listen, <laughs> hang on, don't you look, man? Danny got his Air Jordans after watching the last stand. Here, I won't have a boy, boy, uh, boy. Mrs. got me a pair as well, Danny. This is Grimes the odd one out again. He's always he picking is. these fights. He, <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't understand it, man. I I am wearing them Air Jordans to bed because I, I don't know when I'm going to be called on to make a three pointer, Graham. Mate, I'm so north side. I only could wear them once and then just put them away in case I got them dirty. <laughs> 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 nah, couldn't be wearing them. I actually, couldn't be wearing them yokes. I actually seen the ones you put up there. You got the the ones that are the bulls colours, didn't you? What colour did the bulls wear? Red, black, and white. Yeah. <laughs> Them's the ones. We wear yellow and black. No, I'm talking about the real bulls, Graham, not your part time. Oh, oh, I'll get a yellow and black pair next, Graham, as soon as I'm gamefully employed again. <laughs> So what's the story there, PT? What's the outlook for employment? Not great. <laughs> it's, uh, well, we've had a lot of conversations. I mean, to be fair, um, one thing that gives me a lot of confidence is every single one of the big publications on the in the, the mixed martial arts business has been on the phone since I lost the job. Uh, it seems there is definite interest to have me in there, but the problem is, why the media was so hit you i don't know if you've noticed this but um you know i wasn't the only one that um left mma fighting there was a few casualties mm. there noel mcgrath mike chiapetta um there was also a huge exodus from the athletic which was one of the big promising stories of last year they had invested so heavily in in the mma sector with the so i believe the greatest journalist in the sport uh, chuck mindenhall you know nanda uh nanda Pratis, lo- loads of people that were there, uh, and it's all gone. Josh Gross, all these amazing people, and you know they're all unemployed as well. It's it's just kind of the first thing that will get hit um, from any company's point of view when a situation like this comes along. The first expense they get rid of is advertising, and yeah. advertising is unfortunately what's driving digital media. So until advertisers are back in the seat, I, I don't really know uh, how how that's gonna go. But that's why I'm just pressing on with things I can do really and uh just keep the old networks open and keep on having the conversation. But I mean, look mate, three years ago I was about to take a job as a cleaner to pay me bills, like you know what I mean? It's not like you know Are you about to do that now or do you need to do that now? No. Uh I don't need to do that now. Not for not for a bit anyway. Like I mean and look, I, I, there's there's no issue with me. Like if it, if it is the end of the road in terms of this being a full time employment thing, it's a wild sport, man. Like I mean, it's it's also as we said, without the, without it being legitimate. Like I mean, and Dana White was rubbing his hands together. He's just telling people this. I believe it was two weeks before I lost my job that MMA will be the first thing scrapped from the. Uh, the editorial you know like it will be mm. the first sport the, the whoever specializes in mma they'll be the first to go like the guy at the top of the promotion that drives the sport was celebrating the fact that we lost our jobs like this is uh this is this this is the game we're in so i have to ask them pt like with with that comment about that bell end why like would you ever would you would you ever change topic in terms of your journalism would you ever I don't know, go, go to a different sport or go to politics or entertainment or whatever. Would you, uh, have, you ever, have you ever considered that? Because like, if he's not treating the journalists with respect, it has to be very demoralizing. Um, 
I'm quite used to it, to be fair, uh, <laughs> from the fighters, some fighters and coaches as well, you know. <laughs> um, it's yeah. just the, the nature of the beast. And, and really, it kind of shows you're doing a good job um, yeah. if these people are annoyed with you. Like, I mean... Yeah, that's what Paul Howard always says. Yeah, I mean, um, it, it doesn't... You know, yeah. you kind of have to just realize, like, you're not in this for relationships at all. Like, you're here to to put the sport in a better place. And look, I don't think there's a there's a, a journalist in the world who takes himself seriously that seriously that hasn't had arguments, that hasn't mm. had a lot of friction mm. about different things they have to do. But like, that's the way it is. And really, in comparison to my my friends at the Examiner there and the, and the work they're doing, it's not really that big of a deal. Do you know, mm-hmm. it's it's about a sport it's about lads who are, are making a lot of money it's about a thing that is mostly used for entertainment like it's it's not like we, we think it's serious in our little bubble and then you see what paul howard and Aoife were doing there like i mean is it really that serious at the end of the day you know what i mean it's i take it very seriously but in the grand scheme of things it's not really you know and yeah. and feelings are going to be hurt sports, paul, paul sports who you meant there was it yeah, Paul Hosford, my fellow. Uh, we worked at the Gazette together before we went on to become international celebrities. <laughs> <laughs> and he's also from the Blanche. Yes, yeah. Um, sports journalism is all is is often described as the toy, the toy department shop. of journalism, exactly. But never underestimate the joy toy shop brings, PT. Never underestimate that joy, <laughs> my friend. Oh, and I think, Mero. I think I think to the point you're making, Mero, about kind of Dana White and you know those comments and Jim Pizzi saying about some of the fighters and some of the coaches and that to to go almost full circle on some of the conversations we've been having, you know, they happen to be in a band of people where the president that they support calls real journalism an enemy of the people. You know, yeah. fake exactly. news That's is yeah, exactly well said. So you, you you know you're dealing with a different crowd there, and I think. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, I, and PC's right as well about the advertising piece. I'm, and I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. People expect journalism for free, but you can't get good journalism for free, lads. If you want good journalism, fucking support good journalism. Go out and buy a paper. Go out and take out a subscription to you know a, a website that has real journalists on it and support these people because otherwise it'll be gone and we'll be left with... with I don't even want to fucking say some of their names because they don't deserve it, you know what I mean? But something has um, to give here. Something has to give. Like, I mean, when you're looking at the world in general, there's so much mistrust in every direction. Um, mm. You know, there's so there's there's people living, breathing the same air on the same island, looking at things in a completely different way from each other. You know, it's it feels like something has to give. Like, I, 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 go, I barely go on social media at the moment because I'm just seeing all these people you know, talking about the media are doing this and the media are doing that. Like, do you you think, like, you know, we all have a big meeting in the morning and, you know what I mean, we'll see who's putting in the money and what political party are throwing the money into the kitty and then that's going to set us up for the day on how we view things. It's just, it's it's so far removed. That's that's the thing. Um, I was listening to Aoife Moore on the Week at Work on Sunday, the Week at Work podcast, and um, she was basically saying... It was heartbreaking the other day when she was on, I think she said Facebook. And I think she said a family member posted an article where the subject was along the lines of don't trust the mainstream media. And her heart just sank. She was like, that's my family member that knows I'm a journalist. And that's like, th- these are the times we're living in. Like, 
Mate, I get what I get is, oh, are you still doing that MMA stuff? Is that (laughs) MMA thing still a thing? Is it? (laughs) You know what I mean? It's it's uh, that's what I'm getting, and it's fine. Look, when you're getting paid up to the eyeballs, like you don't really hear you don't really hear these people (laughs) asking the questions. But it's when you have no money, you're like, yes, it is a real thing. Petey, we will leave you there. That was a fast hour. You're an absolute gentleman. Oh, I was going to say, and I, I think as well, lads, one of the positives that we can take from all this is that McDonald's has started doing a triple cheeseburger. Yes, have you had it? It's absolutely remarkable. I, I had one today. Yeah, I had one today, and it, it put a smile what? on my face. I've changed my order. My, my traditional order in McDonald's, I'm just going to go through this, which is before I go. Word away, it's man. A large Big Mac meal, right? A double cheeseburger. And then five selects. And now, because of the because of the how thrilling the experience of the triple cheeseburger is, I'm just going two triple cheeseburger and a large fries now. So <laughs> they've actually they've actually guided me towards like you know a diet as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I genuinely thought you were going to say so. I now opt for a triple cheeseburger and three selects. I thought you just downgraded a little bit. Now I'm oh, thinking about McDonald's is absolute balance. Go, go up to go up to your local drive through there. Oh, wait, my, I had my lamb chops earlier. I'm, I'm sorted. Ooh, I love oh, lamb chop. That's lamb a fancy chop, chop now. In Blanchetown, you have the pork chop, but the <laughs> lamb chop, it's it's, I love, it's a step I love up. chops. Pork and lamb chops are great. Me missus hates them because she said she used to have to eat them five times a week because they're always in special in the local super value. <laughs> <laughs> Petey, where can anyone follow you on Twitter? Yeah, you can follow me on on Twitter um, at Petey Carroll, P-E-T-E-S-Y, Carroll. <laughs> and, and, uh, the, Bash, the Bash MMA is our podcast, and you should listen to it because it's fantastic, and it's only going to keep on getting more fantastic. We Hopefully, Gary will sort us out with a Walker sponsorship soon or something to keep the lights on, but uh, we live in hope. <laughs> deadly, deadly. It, You're a gentleman, Petey. Danny, where can people listen to us? People can get all previous 200 and whatever episodes of this award-winning podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Podcast Addict, well, Podcast Republic, Stitcher. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we only, we only even have 20 yet, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Listen, you, you just calm down. You've had an hour to talk now. Relax for a minute, will you? <laughs> all right. You... <laughs> Uh, before I was rudely interrupted there uh, <laughs> by that Northsider, um, look, you can get us everywhere. Just search WTSPod or go to WTSPod.com. He's at Banjo Murray. I'm at Merrigan Mania. Triple cheeseburgers all round, lads. Oh, that's Thanks. sensational, man. That's I love the Thanks. Philip O'Connor, lads. The Philip O'Connor episode was great there a couple of weeks ago. Phil's um, a diamond. He's an absolute diamond. diamond. Absolute yeah. legend. I love yeah. him right. so much. Lads, it's been emotional. Until Here, hang on. Time. Mero, can I ask you one question before I go? Yeah. What's the score tomorrow night, Milan and Rovers? Uh it's going it's gonna be a shock and Rovers will go through. <laughs> <laughs> May as well go to the local, so <laughs> eighteen to one. Go to the local and I will put on the gay channel for you. Do you remember you did that? That has gone down in history in the Hearthstone house, mate. People say that to me as soon as I walk in the door now. I haven't shown me face in a decade. <laughs> Very quickly, we'll wrap up on that story in case people don't know it, lads. What happened there? What happened? What fight was it? It was... Um, Jesus, who was it? It was an Irish fighter anyway. I think it was... Who, who would have been prolific at the time? <laughs> 
Was it Andy Lee? Uh, I think it might have been Andy Lee. Yeah, you're dead right. And it was at, it was on, it was in Limerick. So the time was good, as in it was on 10 p.m. prime time, Irish time, wasn't it? Yeah. And we, I was down me local anyway, and all the lads were going, try and get a dodgy stream going, try and get a dodgy stream going. And next of all, I'm on Facebook flying through, and I see my 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 honest friend, <laughs> Bally Brack, a man, a man, butter wouldn't melt in his mouth, and there he is. Turn on channel 528 or whatever it is. They're showing the Andy Lee for, uh, for free in Ireland. So I, everyone in the pub is trying to do the same thing. They're all on their phones. And the place is packed because it's a Saturday night. I run up. I have about five, can- I have five points in me. So I'm full of, the, full of the, uh, the joys of life. And I run up to the bar. Stop people ordering points. And I'm like, Tom, Tom, hang on. I think it's on for free on 528. Now, everyone at the bar is like, look at this young fella. What a legend. What a legend he is saving our night. And then up pops the free view for the gay channel all over the fucking pub. And oh, my God. The only thing that saved me is people thought it was my joke I was playing on the Hearthstone. But as soon as they looked at me face, as soon as they looked at me face, they knew I was absolutely mortified. They wouldn't serve me in the Chinese that later that night or anything. <laughs> Classic. Oh, gold. Absolute gold. PT, it has been a fucking joy, my man. I love you, boys. Talk to Thanks, you soon. Talk to you soon. Good night, God bless. All hearts. All lose.